to Mbappé! What a great day it's been for him! So you want this confidence oozing through his veins. Yeah, tap it with the football tap. It's the number one podcast. Yeah. With a football at, tap in with the football tap. Yeah. Tap in with the football tap. Guru. Tap in with the football tap, like a spinal, or it could get messy like Lionel. Them other podcasts throw back like a vinyl. The guru, he the goat, so it really ain't no rivals. Podcasts about passion, barely dollars. My favorite, Ronaldo, Jamal Musala. Football tap, it should be on your radar. Come and kick it with us, like Neymar, Sadio Mane, or Erling Haaland. Either way, the football tap, prime time. Yeah, now take that to the bank with you. The guru, he don't talk, he just paint. Vividly, so come and see what he's saying. Highlights and more, you never get bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never get bored. Football tap, the number one source. Yeah. Come and tap in with the football tap. It's the football tap. Yeah, yeah. Come and tap in with the football tap. It's the football tap. Guru, football tap. Yeah. Come and tap in with the football tap. Yeah. With the football tap, come and chill with the groove, cuz football back, yeah. Hello, welcome to the football tap. I'm Ryan, joined by Elliot, a very happy Elliot. Um, <laughs> how you doing today? Pretty good. That was a nice performance, so I'm happy. So before we talk about Roma, um, there's an even bigger story fresh on in football. And at first, I wasn't really on Liverpool's side in this because, you know, we love to see bad things happen on the field in Liverpool. I mean, it always cracks me up when they lose in heartbreaking fashion. But after the audio got released in the referees, how bad and how stupid does the Premier League look now? Your officiating is that poor and that incompetent you might as well just not have VAR if you can do it right. If you can't do it right, you know. I mean, yeah, it's a horrific no, I, look all around for the league. That everybody says, well, if it's the best league in the world, why can't you get calls right? But it, seriously. But I'll let you take yeah, it from there. Because we're not seeing this type of, uh, I don't even know what the word is, this type of egregiousness in the other leagues. Now, I'm not saying that there's not VAR decisions that, um, go wrong in other leagues. Um, but for the most part, you look at Germany, Italy, Spain. Um, no, even France. the MLS. Yeah, well, that's, that's a whole different thing. But yeah, no, but in, in among the top other top leagues, Italy is pre, is, isn't, Italy's pretty bad too, but it's still uh, typically in these leagues, we're not seeing this level of, of complacency when it comes to VAR, it's really not that complicated. You walk, look at it. I mean, you're up there in the booth or whatever. You look at the the, the play on the replay, and then you send the information to the um, official. Um, and it's it's just wild how how much and how often they're getting this this wrong. Um, if they're the best league in the world, they should have better officiating. Um, and uh, VAR uh, related um, issues. Now, I 
don't believe it's the best league in the world, but that's that's neither here nor there. But generally, of the of the, the the populace believe that this is the best league in the world. It's mo- it's more the most popular league in the world. Uh, the there's the mo- there's more eyes on this league than others. So if this is all true, they have they have to be getting these things right. Now, I mean, in the level of of t- to the level that Klopp has taken it, I don't agree with. And I think you just gotta let this go and move. Um, and the 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 calls that were made in that game were horrendous. Um, but uh, is it uh, clear that the Liverpool win the game if that happens? I I'm not. I don't hold that belief. But those were incorrect calls, and they need they need to be, they need to clean this up um, because obviously the first one. Um, with, uh, with uh, uh, I think Diaz scored was definitely onside um, and, and so on and so forth, um, especially in a game like that of that level of magnitude. And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm, I'm on Liverpool side necessarily in the grand scheme of things, but that they were, I won't say Rob, because I, I think that's, I think it is a lazy thing to say as a football fan to say you were Rob because of one or two decisions. But I would say they were, there were calls in this uh, game that were done against them that could have affected the outcome. So that's, that's, that's the way I'd kind of phrase it. Yeah, and I agree with that. Not only that, this whole thing about being the best league in the world is ridiculous. We'll get into that later. Yeah. I mean, as you I know, mean, I'm no longer really an Arsenal supporter because we got my home – I got a hometown team finally. But you look at the other leagues. I mean, Italy and Germany are both open scoring and a lot of goals and games. That's what I like. You know, it's not this boring old drawn out two one. You know, where the ref. It, it, the problem with England is the games are so boring and drawn out that the the referees are able to make decisions. Nobody ever blows anybody away, other than Man City. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, a lot of the criticism about leagues that are more open casket in terms of attacking football is they believe that because of that, the the narrative is that they don't defend, and that's actually not true at all. It's the style of the league. Now, if, if English football had that style, they would they would there would be more goals as well. So, if you actually look player for player, defenders in these leagues versus the defenders in the Premier League, Germany, England, I I don't know if Italian. I mean, there were good, obviously some elite Italian defenders, but I, I think English center backs, whatever you want to say, are better than Italian ones in general. Um, although there are, there are a fair few cases. But German, there are German center backs that no one knows of in England that are better than some of the elite guys that you got there. So um, that would be my counter argument to that because just because there's a lot of scoring does not mean there's there's bad defending, which is kind of the, the lie that's been fed the whole time. But yeah, I don't believe it's the best league in the world either. I believe it's second. Um, it's really close. Italy, Italy and England are close. Um, actually, Spain's pretty close too. But I, I think. You can make an argument that they're second, but I don't think they're. Again, if, if you take someone that's not does not have a corrupted uh, point of view on this, I think it's quite clear that they are not number one. They're still great, obviously, but the game. My biggest extra grinds against the Premier League, and I don't criticize it a lot, but I would say that if you're a neutral fan and you're going to watch the Premier League, you want to be entertained. When you when you cut when you watch the uh, uh, Premier League as a neutral. You have to wait till the game is over to decide to watch a game because if you just watch a random game, there's at least a 65% chance it's not going to entertain. 
Now, you, you look at the other leagues, um, especially Germany, there's not a game there's not a game that is around that's not entertaining. They're all entertaining, regardless of the scoreline. So the problem with, with uh, England and some of the, the neutral viewers that support clubs in other leagues is they want to be entertained by the quality. The, I mean, they have the best – they have some of the best players in the world. They have some best coaches in the world. It's a great league. But it's not entertaining to the level of the other ones. I think that's their big issue um, on a global scale rather than – because obviously – Take out take out the, the people that actually support clubs in the Premier League. You you take everyone else and and you you sort of go through that sort of tunnel. I think I would guess that most people that don't support clubs in England prefer watching Italian football, German football, Spanish football over the Premier League because there's not a, a huge level of entertainment, um, generally speaking. Well, all right, let's get into the games now. Um, uh, Dortmund and, and AC Milan, I mean, bored me the other day. But do you have any thoughts on that game? Uh, Christian really? was awful. Uh, and again, I've, I've been, I've been, I've been showering him with praise. He, he was, he was dreadful. Uh, he couldn't get anything going. The little stuff that he was able to do, Dortmund kind of swallowed up. Um, I believe he was subbed off early in the second half. He, you know, that was his, supposed to be his big reunion, his big slam dunk performance. Um, against the team that uh, he kind of made a name for himself with. I thought he was quite underperforming. <laughs> I don't know what it is because he's done pretty well in the, in the league game, scored another goal this weekend, and it went from Lee out to Pulisic and into the back of that, which I was really happy about. Um, but in the Champions League, he's not played well in any of the games he's played so far. And again, early, early doors. Um, but from an AC Milan perspective, I thought Lee was good, but Dortmund had a, had a – had a counter. Um, I thought uh, the new uh, d- uh, the new um, midfielder they got from AZ did well in that game as well. Um, but again, Dortmund had answer for everything defensively, but they had no answer in attack. Full Krug looked good um, when he had the ball and he had chances, but they just didn't create enough. Brandt, Brandt is Brandt. He, he very rarely played poorly. I thought he played really well. Um, just couldn't find the back of the net, but Overall, it wasn't a very contentious sort of game where um, edge of your It was kind of a, a snooze fest for the most part. But I, I would say that a lot of uh, praise should be given to the Dortmund defense and what they were able to do with kind of the, the high-flying athletes that AC Milan have. They they shut them down really nicely. They just couldn't um, they just couldn't do the same with the attack. And obviously, uh, Mike Magnan did, did a really good job in goal for AC Milan saving some of Dortmund chances, but that'd be my only takeaway if there was any, really. Yeah, uh, not a great game at all. Also, AC Milan looked like total jackasses wearing all white. Um, I miss the old days. Remember when they used to wear the white with the black shorts? That looked yeah. so much better than this all white nonsense they have going on. Uh, the constant change of the kits. By the way, I have one more point. The constant change of the kits gets, gets old for me because AC Milan used to be a club of like tradition. They'd have two kits. They have the white shirt with black shorts, and they'd have the red stripe. Now they got all these other kits going on. Like, you could tell, you know, not not to pick on something, but, like, all the clubs that are, like, still winning successful, they don't change their kits, you know? Yeah. I think most clubs like, don't change their kits a lot. I mean, I think a vast majority. But, again, they have the – yeah, I don't love the, the pair of home and away. And then they have a pink one. AC Milan yeah. is red and and, and black. That's what they are. Yeah. You can't. You can make a third kit, 
but there has to be some color that they typically use. For example, yeah. Roma's Roma is what everyone calls maroon, burgundy, and and white. We always have your yeah, black kit is amazing. Yeah, it is. We always have a black kit, so it's not like we just. If we had like a purple kit, that would be weird because Roma never wears purple. AC Milan never wears pink. It's black and red, and their their third kits are not that color either. So I just thought the the pink one is just absurd. But you know, yeah. I'm a traditionalist in that way. Maybe that maybe I need to be more open minded. But I I think I'm in the right here. Oh, I think you're absolutely in the right. All right, mate. Here's here's one for you. Um, Newcastle United shocked the world. Yep. Um, um, I'm not surprised. I know you are. Uh, I'm not surprised that they won the game. I'm surprised about the margin they won the game. Um, yeah, they were. They were. I mean, considering who they were starting in defense, both of the guys were like, "Hmm, I wonder how that's going to go." Because that's the thought was when you saw Dan Burns and Shaw in in as as the center back pairing with Botman out, and the fact that they both scored. It was amazing. Um, I mean, speaking of, of amazing, Sonali's just dropped a master class in the Champions League against the SG. I thought he was brilliant. Man, that match for me, I thought he he total dictation on the midfield, controlled the game. Uh, everything kind of went through him to a, to a degree. Um, and obviously they they started hot and they they kept they kept the the, the pedal to the metal and, and ended up scoring four. I know uh, Luca. Lucas Hernandez scores, who ironically PSG fans hate, uh, and uh, to get a goal back. But you know, it was it was an, that, that that was the first game that they've had there in I don't know twenty something years. They it was a great atmosphere, um, and they were able to put together a truly fascinating and unbelievable performance. However, in the reverse picture, there is going to be violence. That's my prediction because, yeah, the stuff that the Newcastle United fans were doing to PSG supporters uh, after the final whistle, I thought was was inappropriate and disgraceful. Uh, and uh, yeah, so for the second leg, I I don't I think we're gonna have be talking about the stuff that happened off the pitch more on it. Uh, and then for the PSG side, uh, Luis Enrique doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, and, uh, you know, you could say that he won the Champions League Barcelona. And then he had Spain and underachieved. And then you look at the rest of his resume, it's not that impressive. I think he's absolutely – because guess what? They're not – they're fifth in French League, which is supposed to be a cupcake league that they win every year. And they've been underperforming there, underperforming in the Champions League. Um, only won the, for the other game against Dortmund because of a – dumb handball call that got them a penalty early on. So, yeah, the, it, it looks like a mess. They might – I don't know. It's like it, – it, Newcastle United has looked pretty good. Um, they're they're good sitting goals. in eighth right now. I mean, so in it's the, okay. But in the Champions League, they've played – they've outperformed everybody. So, I, I think I, – I just – I think they just need to draw one more draw. And, uh, one draw, and they're probably going to be through. Um, Dortmund's looked okay. Um, I, I don't think they've looked that bad. PSG's not looked great, and then AC Milan's probably looked the worst of, the, of all of them. Um, so there's a really good chance now that Newcastle can go and qualify for the round of 16, uh, and PSG may miss out in the Champions League 
uh, round of 16 in like total. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a bad situation for PSG. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was just embarrassing. But Newcastle and I have to – that's the, the, their biggest win that they've had in, in two decades. So, tremendous performance. I thought they were excellent. Um, and they're, they're zeroing in on potentially making the round of 16. But I do hope in the, the, the I hope PSG fans do not retaliate when when they, it shifts to Paris because I'm as a fan I'm I'm fearful that that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, so hopefully there's no extracurriculars, but I I do believe that there will be. Unfortunately. All right. So now I want to talk about another game in the Champions League. We no longer call him Mikel Arteta. You know what his new new initials are? D-A-M. I'm going to start calling him D-A-M. You want to know why? Donkey Mikel Arteta. Uh, overusing Saka, uh, losing to Lee. I, I, I don't even know what to say. I'm beyond words. This might be, in my opinion, this might be the worst loss in Arsenal Champions League history. And I'm including, yes, the 3-5-1 the defeats to Byron. That's Bayern Munich. This is a Farmer team from France that they couldn't get a victory against, and he got soccer hurt. What are your thoughts? I mean, Glenn's his best player last year. He's not playing with Leipzig. So, yeah, that way it was bad. I mean, um, Lenz scored all the goals because Lenz made a mistake that allowed Gabriel Jesus to score. Their second goal, I mean, if their equalizer, the best goal of the week, uh, I mean, but to be in that to be in that situation to allow that to happen, I mean, the the, the goal itself is not their control, but how they arrived at the goal is in their control. Their bad defensive shape, the way they they allowed Lens to kind of get forward, and then they kept put, putting pressure on on Arsenal. And they they broke they broke through in the end and got the you know you got the three points. And and the thing is, Arsenal isn't in the Champions League group. This is the Europa League. If you look at the teams that are in this group, they are classic Europa League teams. Sevilla, PSV, Lens, and Arsenal. If this was two years ago, you would think that this is the Europa League group. So considering how good they are or have been over the last year, considering how well they've done pretty I mean pretty well, done pretty well so far this season in the Premier League, to then show up in the Champions League and get outclassed by a Lens team that lost their best player. Um it's just a joke. I, I, they were absolutely ripped apart, and they didn't deserve anything from the game. If they had gotten a point, they wouldn't have deserved it. It was, they were really bad. And again, Arteta, um, you know, no, not Arteta, Donkey Mikel Arteta. Okay, whatever. But <laughs> there was a lot of a belief in what he was doing the last year, right? With with Arsenal, yeah. he came up short, but you know, Man City is Man City, even though Arsenal. <laughs> Could have could have easily not thrown away the league, um, but what he did last year made tried to get us to forget that he finished eight. I think it was either eighth or tenth. I don't remember. But out of year, I mean, eighth, whatever. What I was saying because I don't remember. I thought I had two years in a row. Funnily enough, Emery got Arsenal to a Europa League final, finished fifth, and got sacked. That yet, um, Arteta has done way worse in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And I'm not saying Emery was great, but but Arteta is getting away with more than anyone else would, 
and there would be pressure on his seat if it wasn't a guy who formerly played for Arsenal and formerly captained them to the FA Cup and winning the FA Cup. So I think right now Arteta is getting away with a lot because of tribalism and because Arsenal uh, fans love him for who he was as a player and what he did last year as a coach. But remember, two, eight, two, two t- twice finishing eighth, uh, and then the year the, the year before that, they finished uh, fifth, and they threw away the Champions League when it was in their control. So obviously, last year they make it and, and whatever, and then in the Europa League last year, they throw it away against Sporting Lisbon. They would have had a good chance to win silverware there. And, and then I think this weekend is Man City. I think we all know how that's going to go. So I think there should be a tremendous pressure on him because, you know, again, if, if you're not giving Emery the benefit of the doubt, you shouldn't be, you should be, you should not be requiring Arteta to, uh, to be, you know, they, they need to be held to the same thing. And if, if, if he was anybody else, he would have been sacked, right? He's been given all this leeway that he probably shouldn't have got. He got it. Okay, enough now. You have to go and prove it now because now there should be real conversations about him being sacked. Not yet, but 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 th- those conversations need to start to, to, to formulate because the other coaches that he's had prior, I mean, outside of Wenger, weren't given the, the this much luxury as Arteta is, and I think they need to start holding him a little more accountable for this. I mean, Sasha uh, getting injured. Sack getting injured, but also Saka being used as much as he has. Um, I think that doesn't help either. He's basically played every single game for for the last year and a half. And I'm, I, but he needs to. Yeah. Anyway, I could, I, I'm just rambling at this point. But but there, there are certain things he needs to do better in, in a lot of regards. And again, Saka getting injured isn't his fault. The way he's been using Saka though can can be translated as being his fault though. Uh, I agree with that. Not only that. They clap off Markel Arteta for doing nothing, yet the amount of abuse that they gave Arsene Wenger in his last couple of years is actually disgusting. A man that, you know, actually won a shitload of trophies, but I digress. Um, Interval line, nothing special in their Champions League, just a simple 1-0 win. Um, I think they're favorites. I think them and Man City and Real Madrid yeah. are the three favorites for the Champions League. I don't think it's close. I think they're going to run away with the the um, Scudetto and also yeah. probably win the uh, Copa Italia. So they, they mean, have trouble in their sights. Right. Because remember last year, our, I mean, uh, Letaro Martinez had 20 goals, 11 assists for a team that was fighting all year to make the Champions League after screwing themselves early on. Um, yeah. he, was doing, he was doing that with nothing. I mean, nothing, not nothing. But he wasn't doing that with the supporting cast he has now. I mean, he's got he's, – he's loaded – his team is loaded in almost every area. They have depth in midfield. They have depth in defense. They have depth in the attack. He started off the bench. I mean, he started uh, this last weekend. He started on the bench. He comes in in the 55th minute. He scores four goals. No one in the history of Italian football has ever done that. Victor Osimhen is on five goals. Two of those are penalties. So three goals from open play. Lotaro has nine goals in Syria. All nine are open play goals. Um, yeah, so he's already... Four goals ahead of second place. I think, I think we're if I think we're going to start to see a little bit of Kavita um, Kavarshelia syndrome because last year, and I think my viewpoint that the, the Georgian kid won the player of the season after about two two and a half months. 
I think Lataro's uh, going to win that. I think he's going to score potentially 35-plus. Um, Cole Vitale should be there because I don't think any Italian team is really going to step to them. Um, the Champions League, they can, they're as good as anybody when uh, at their best. Yeah, so no, I agree. They're good all over the place. And Lotaro, I think right now, and this might be is the best center forward in, in the world, right? Not not in general, but but since the start of the season to now, he's been the best uh, forward in, in the world football. And I don't see him slowing down. I think he's going to keep this pace. Um, and there's a possibility that Inter could win absolutely everything. So it's them, City, and yeah, those are the two I think right now that are, that are big favorites. I don't think there's any question he's the best. I think everybody around the world would agree that he's the best center forward. Um, I think he's going to get a fat contract from Real Madrid at some point, truthfully. And yeah, but, but Inter does have the leverage because they can they can sell him for for tw- for more than he's worth because of the Darwin Nunez deal. Yeah, so they can thank Liverpool for that. Um, I think Lataro. He'll probably go in the rounds. What he's twenty-seven. I think he'll probably go next summer in the realm of two hundred fifty to two hundred seventy-five million, which is absurd. But I mean, look, if he scores goals this pace, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's next summer. I think we're talking about two, three years down the line. And is going to probably going to arrive at in Madrid next summer. And even though they do, need, I, I just don't see them spending probably three hundred fifty million on Mbappe and then another two two hundred fifty on Lautaro, but. But you know, if he if he if that's the move that happens, he deserves it um, because I mean, if you just look at his numbers, he's done this with with Jacko by his side. He's done it with Lukaku by his side. He's done it with Arnautovic by his side. He, now he's doing it with uh, Marcus Thuram by his side. So he's done. He's been as per his productivity. He's doing it with with whoever they put next. That first year, he had like six goals, but that was at that at that time it was Icardi's team. He was coming in as a number two, but he's been, I mean, he, I mean, if if you're not English and you're not biased, he's been the best center forward in the world. Again, all the love to Holland, Blamadowski, Harry Kane, and and onwards. But but he's he's just been a different level, and, and when he goes, he's going to go for huge money, but primarily because of the Darwin Nunez deal. Because Darwin Nunez got that deal, uh, that the Liverpool be 180, 80, 80 plus 20 Adams, so like upwards to 100 million. He had he had one great season at that point. At that same point in time, Otar was coming up his fourth great season. So because of that, it's going to jack up his price. So either two things could happen with this: he's either going to get the richest contract in Inter Milan history, or Real Madrid and come in and probably temporarily break the bank, but I don't know if it's this season or next summer. Because of the situation he's in, staying is actually quite valuable, but also a Real Madrid, if they come calling it, you don't say no to Real Madrid. Yeah. Um, all right, the big one, and I mean the big one, probably the mammoth of all, <laughs> all big Champions League upsets. Man United cannot beat Galatasaray at Old Trafford. <laughs> um, the Blazers are probably the most toxic people in football. I want them to be gone immediately. Um, I like when Man United's good. I like when their fans are arrogant. It makes them more satisfied when they yeah. lose. But I don't have sympathy for them. Because Man United – uh, sorry, I, I want to go on a little right here, and then I'll let you continue. 
Many United fans have this idea that they're Fleetwood Town, that they are they are the they're the most they're in the most horrid situation imaginable. If you are in your twenties or thirties, mid twenties to thirties, Man United ruined your childhood. If you were, uh, if you support an English team, they won Premier League after Premier League after Premier League, making the Champions League final. If it wasn't for a little Argentine uh, five foot nine, five foot six kid called Leo Messi, they would have probably two more. They dominated English football for so 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 long, and now they, now it's like they they want sympathy everyone to feel bad for them. I don't have any sympathy for, I want them to be good. Um, but I think this idea that they're in the worst possible situation out of every team, they think they're worse than everybody. And I, you know, I just think that, that the people that are complaining a lot of this time are also the people that have enjoyed more success at their club than anyone else. So I just, you know, telling a Roma fan that they're, they're 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 a, a disaster, and I need to stop supporting the club. Is insulting because I've seen one trophy in 14 years, and that trophy oh, did not exist four years ago. So for I, I just think that the way that Man United fans are behaving is as if yeah, I don't know. I, I just think they're they're they they have the right to be upset, but they they're also incredibly ungrateful and they're forgetful that they ruined everybody's childhood. So I just. Just hit the brakes for a minute. Anyway, I just need to say it. Well, not only that, and this is a fact, you want to know something? Hmm. From 1967 all the way up to 2013, it has been a proven fact, if you wait, just because they won all of them, if you are at least 35 years of age, you have a Man United Premier League title to call your own. Think about that. Everybody from the 1960s, like that was born there, or even people that are like in their 90s now, have had at least one United Premier League title to call their own. Yeah, exactly. You, That's my point. You know how many people would die for that? I'd trade my entire. I'd trade the success of my club for their club in a second. I would. I would willingly take the dark stretch of time that they're in. Their dark stretch was winning the League Cup and in, in, in qualifying for the Champions League. Our dark stretch was making the Europa League final and finishing sixth. So I, I just think that a lot of these Man United fans need to remember that they've been they've been more successful than anyone that does not support Bayern Munich Juventus in Manchester City. So I just think the way that they're moving, I mean, not all of them, but the way that a lot of them are moving is just – a little hypocritical. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so your game today, 4-0 performance. Are you pleased? Yeah, that was, it was great. Um, again, I'm starting to like Lukaku a little more. But, again, I'm not going to come around until he does what I've asked him, which is scoring the big games. And, uh, yeah, he's just got to find the back in there every time. Every, not in every game, but he needs to he needs to be finding the back in the net uh, pretty regularly. But, but the more time he scores, the more my, my love for him just, just goes up a little bit. Um, he was good today. He scored again. I think he's done six this year. Um, Mourinho over the weekend transformed the midfield um, a bit, put Bove in there, and then all of a sudden the problems just, just disappeared. Um, defensively, I thought they good. Kristan just had to drop back uh, and do his thing there. Um, 
who right at this point been the second best player in Serie A this season, which is crazy because we're in like 12th place. But but um, you'll get everything. We go in that game. We're at home. Uh, we're coming off that win. We need to. We want to win another one. And uh, uh, Lukaku scores, and then Pellegrini comes on for 11 minutes, gets a goal and assist, and then goes off because he got a cramp or something. And then Bellotti scores twice. I mean, it. I mean, overall, it was just incredible. Midfield was great again. Bolivar played well again. Um, Awara came back from injury, did well. Um, uh, Dybala didn't have to play, which I like. Um, I don't need him to be playing 60 games a season. Um, again, the important games, I want him in there. But for games like this at home, um, you know, we're still second in the group. But that's only because um, Slavic Prague scored uh, five or six today, uh, which puts your goal difference up a bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I like, again, the Europa League, we just – our group's not particularly difficult. We should be winning all of the games. Um, but I thought this was a dominating performance at home. Uh, we controlled it from the start to the finish. And as fans, we just need we just needed a, a win. And we got it. Raku scores. Baladi gets two. two Pellegrini comes on, on and does well. And, uh, yeah, uh, pretty much all the way through did, did what, we're, what we were supposed to do. Yeah, very uh, satisfying performance. I'm actually very happy for you. Um, one more thing for you. Um, on, eh, excuse me, on the Serie A stuff. Yeah. So you think the title race is over? I know it's one point. I think it's already over. I, I, I know it sounds crazy the way I'm speaking about it because AC Milan are literally one point behind Inter Milan. But I just don't think that there's much. There's, there's not much substance as a title. It's going to be close for a little while, but there's going to be a, a point where that, like some of these teams are going to start dropping games a little bit more regular. Um, and again, Inter losing to Sosuolo, who had just come off a really emotional victory at Juventus. Um, you know, that was, that's, I mean, it's only loss. And I think if, if, if they had not just been Juventus, that Sosuolo would not have come up in that game and performed the way they did. So, and I know Napoli and AC Milan have, have made it close as of late and, and so on, but I, I guess it's too early for me to just clear it over, but I'm trying to think of who's going to then win the league. Is Napoli going to do it with their new coach and without their center of defense that's in now in Bayern um, with the Ahmed TikTok uh thing that, that went on um, last week? Um, probably not. Does AZ Milan have enough in their team to overstep enter? Based on the case study that we saw when they played each other, not. Is Juventus going to find a way to win, to come and win the league um, again? I just don't think, I think they're good, but they're not good enough. They're better last year. Um, so once you run through those three teams, who's, who's left? Roma's in 12. Lazio is in 16th. Um, Fiorentina is, again, it would be nice, but Fiorentina is not going to do it. So if someone else was going to win the league, it would be Milan, Juventus, or um, uh, or Napoli. And I guess Alonso maybe. Alonso is doing pretty well. But, but yeah, I just – it's not that I think it's over, but I just can't think of a I – can't, I can't think of a reason someone else would win the league. So if, if this if this collapses, it would be it would be ridiculous. 
because they're way better than everybody else. Not even close. <laughs> no, I agree. Um, so Germany, RB Leipzig still, even though I mean it was Man City. I so really, how good are they? Because I was expecting to. I was hoping they'd at least make it a game. They did. They lost in the last couple of minutes. Um, yeah, but I, I disagree, man. Man City just dominates possession. You knew they were going to find a winner. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, but they still kept it close. If Man City played somebody else, they probably would have won by three or four goals. So, I mean, again, Man City's the best team in the world until, until further notice. So, if you keep it close, I mean, if the game had run another four minutes and, and Man City didn't score, they would have lost. It would have been dropped. So, um, but yeah, I get what you're saying. It's Man City, and they dominated and rightfully so, and all this stuff. But, but no, I get what you're saying. I get your point. Um, but yeah, do you still think RB Leipzig will win the league? Um, it's interesting because I'm I'm not flipping my pick, but I think every time I watch Leverkusen, the more I believe that it could be them instead. Um, but I do think that the way that they they uh, again drop points against Bayern Munich will 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 infuriate them to a huge degree, which will I mean they'll be more motivated than ever to do that. Um, but yeah, by the way, on, on a side note, we got to get rid of this dumb handball rule where if it touches a part of my body that I can't move, even if it's in a natural position, it's a penalty. Because if that's the case, let's just every time there's a free kick, they just hit aim for, for their, their arms. I mean, the only thing Benjamin Hendricks can do in that situation is take a saw and, and, and saw off his entire arm because that's <laughs> going to be a penalty. Because he, it's not like. It's not like he, he, he jumped in a way where his, his hand was leading outwards. It was by his side. He jumped up. It hits his shoulder. I mean, how I, I just don't understand what he is supposed to do with that situation. Again, we saw another bad one in the Man United game from a few weeks ago. We saw the same one in the PSG but Dortmund game a few weeks ago. This, anyway, the fact that they lost, they got energized because of, of that moment. Harry Kane scores a penalty, which is, again, with respect, that's mo- that's where most of his goals are coming from so far this season. So he's actually underperforming expectations. But if you look at the numbers, you won't you won't be able to see that. Um, but they score that goal. They they and then obviously the Bayern Munich get the momentum back. But if you watch the game from start to finish, despite statistic stuff, Leipzig were the better team in that game. It was clear. Um, so I do think that they they still will win the league. Um, but what Jabi Alonso is doing at Leverkusen is very interesting to me because they could, and I, before the season, I said they're probably a year, they're a year off schedule, but they're playing like they're the best team in, in the Bundesliga. They've already taken points out Bayern. They've beaten in Leipzig already, even though Leipzig was better than that particular game. Um, so I think it's between Leipzig and Leverkusen. I still believe that uh, Bayern Munich has it actually a, might actually finish third. Because I think those two teams are better, and uh, but Leipzig has the potential to do this for sure. I mean, their their depth that they have in midfield specifically is insane. Javi uh, Simmons has been one of the best uh, midfielders in, in the world this season. They're getting really good contributions off the bench from like Christopher Baumgartner, Benjamin Sesko, who's uh, scored a couple goals and not have really played 
a lot of minutes. Um, and then you have obviously Timo Werner uh, running the line defensively. They're they're they're, they're cre- incredibly solid. I know Gabriel went to Man City, and I will I'll stand on my claim that that Mohamed Samakin is better than Gabriel. Again, but if he hit the market, he'd be twenty five million. But if you watch Leipzig over the last couple of years, Gabriel has been great. He's not been better than the guy who's been sitting next to him the whole time. Um, and when the, when um, when the goalkeeper comes back, I think they'll be much sharper in goal. Not just um, the goalkeeper they're using now has done well, but I think it would uh, just take them a, a, a it just take them up a little bit in that area. And again, midfield attack they're they're straight, um, but. Leverkusen has basically the same argument for them. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that flips and that dynamic with their attack. And obviously they have Burtz in the midfield and then they have the free kick master in, um, um, of Bert, I forgot his name. All right. Uh, Grimaldo, um, the good defensive, one of the best goalkeepers in the league. They got good. Attack. I mean, they're just, they're just good all over the place and they're a very different type of team in Leipzig, but it's, it's an interesting dynamic that we have here with them at Leipzig and Bayern. But I still think that Bayern, sorry, I still think that Leipzig will win the league. But uh, if Leverkusen can keep this up and we're sitting in January and they're still leading the, the, the table or within points at the top of the table, I think that could switch it maybe. But I do think it'll be Leipzig or Leverkusen. But I, I'm still standing with Leipzig at the moment. Um, Byron, what's your, what's your thought on Byron? Uh, I mean, it's uh, the same thought I've, I've had for the last couple of weeks. They're not, uh, they, they've, uh, they haven't lost this season. Um, but uh, I, I still think that Tuchel is completely under um, valuing his squad because he still doesn't have a clue of how to use it. Now he's got it, he, he's good with some of the players he's brought in and using them properly. I think. Um, Comrade Limer at right back has been really good, and, and they've been able to kind of manage that really well. Um, but he's not managing the the, the team. The, the, I mean, the the golden boy of Bayern Munich, which is Jamal Musiala. He has scored once this season. Last year, he had scored like five goals by this point. Yes, and I know he had some, he had some. He was brilliant in the Champions League games, but he's. He's not getting him into attacking positions. He's not allowing him to drift forward, tug underneath Harry Kane. Um, and I think that's their problem because if this team really wants to be successful, you go through uh, Musiala and Sané. Now, Sané's been unbelievable. He's been great. But especially now, we can have on. Those are the two that should be the kingpin of your team. I mean, obviously, you have Kimmich and stuff there too, but, but that's a totally different role. In terms of attacking play, that should be it. Harry Kane should be – he's there to score goals. And I, obviously, he's very gifted, and he can, he can make the runs, and he knows how to position himself really well, which furthermore kind of backs up the point that he's there to score goals. He can get into those positions very easily. You let um, – and this is going to sound like a very American phrase, but you let Jamal Musiala and Leroy Sané run the offense, and you put Harry Kane in dangerous positions, and he's going to score. Um, so I think that is what he should be doing. But again, we have to remember that this team was built by Mangles. It was not built by Tuchel. He brought in some signings, but it's built, it's built by the, the previous manager. The previous manager 
knows how to use this team. Tuchel is a good manager, but he does not know how to use this team. And I think that's the problem he's going to run into. I know they haven't lost the game yet, but they've not been brilliant in a lot of the games that they played. And they've been really good in some and, and not so good in others. But, but I think that's, that's the problem that they have. And I think as long as Tuchel does not figure that out, and maybe he can figure this out before the end of the season, but he needs to start doing that because Leverkusen is falling, Leipzig are are basically a kryptonite. They drew that game, but they haven't beaten them in, I think, two years, something like that. Um, then you have Leverkusen, who's ascending, who's doing really well, who's the best young young player in the world, in my opinion. Verts with Boniface, the, the brand-new shiny toy of the Bundesliga. And then you look at um, Dortmund started slowly, but they've really got uh, going lately. The last couple of games have been have been promising. They're tugging behind not so far away. So the, I think he needs to figure that part out. And if he does, they will not win the Bundesliga this season. Um, Granit Xhaka. Uh, I told you it was going to be a key signing. Yeah. What? what since you're, a, I mean, our kind of Arsenal support. What 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 have you what have you liked so far from him as, as far as uh, the Bundesliga? I think he's brought in a good leadership standpoint. I think he's not going to give you goals. I think he controls the midfield. He doesn't do anything excellent, but he does everything very good. That's why I think, and I think this is a young team trying to win. And even though they didn't win a league, Jacka does have four FA Cups to his name, which and has been to multiple finals, Europe League final. And I think it's a big deal just to have the experience in there. The yeah, like true point. I the thing for me is doesn't make mistakes because that's the key yeah. of that in his position is you cannot have a, a midfielder in that in that spot making mistakes because then you're going to put your defense under pressure immediately and I think the way he's done it and I think he's he scored in the game against Gladbach um, I think that acquisition has been incredibly important now the headlines are always going to be um, with Flow Magic in the middle and with Boniface up top. But the contribution we've seen from him, what we've seen from um, uh, uh, God, I, I'm drawing a blank. Um, Jonas Hoffman, who they also got, uh, got from Gladbach, has been really important. Now that they're the free kick master in the back, but I think Xhaka's leadership and his uh, he hasn't won anything like huge, but he's still won some stuff at Arsenal. Um, so and and you know he's 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 done well internationally as well. So. I think him being included into the team is, I mean, Javi Alonso, I think, has used him very well. And again, he doesn't make mistakes, which means you can't really put, you can't put the defense in a vulnerable position because you got the, the guy who's protecting the defense from, from vulnerability is there. And he doesn't make mistakes. And obviously I know he's been a divisive figure at Arsenal because um, it's on the stuff that he did in the past, but he's, He's had leadership. He's also been able to, to operate at a high level there. Um, but I also think he left at the right time. Um, last year, not winning the league, does he really want to recharge and go for it again with the same group of players? I don't think so. And I think he made the right move to come over to, to Germany with a team that has probably the best young player in the, the league and world in my, or Europe in my opinion. And then you have a guy who's uh, in Japanese London, a young coach who's built this team up and putting him into that equation, I think was the best move for him as well. No, I agree. 
Um, all right. Now it's my turn to brag. Go ahead. City, finish, top of the West. Say we are top of the West. <clears throat> um, most wins for an expansion team. Um, we got the best goalkeeper in the in the not the world. We got the best goalkeeper in North America, and I don't think it's even close. Um, we got a guy that honestly God could still play for a top level club in Europe. Um, that has literally backstopped this team to the top of the Western Conference. What are your thoughts on Rowan Berkey? And if there ever is like an M- NBA team that that an MVP award, I think he's the one that deserves it. I don't think anybody's been more valuable to their team in the MLS, maybe in world football, to Roman Berkey, because this team is thrown together randomly. Um, it's got a lot of good German players, so I'd be wrong, but this is unbelievable what he's been able to do. Yeah, I mean, he stepped in, into a different league and has adapted immediately. Again, I, you know, it's he knows how to stop the, goal, the ball from going into the back of the net. It's something he's been able to be, do, do successfully. Uh, for a long time. Now, the reason it didn't, the reason he left dormant is, I mean, the reality is he's not keeping Kubel out of him. I think, I think we both can agree that that was the best time to move because, yeah, I mean, again, he's great. Kubel is probably a top five goalkeeper in the world, top 10, whatever you want to say. Uh, so there wasn't really an equation where he was going to get solid minutes um, behind the guy who's there now. Um, so it was a perfect opportunity for him to do something else. Maybe. He's done Switzerland. It appeared to me, it didn't feel like he wanted to continue um, in a different top league. Um, so he comes to, he comes to the MLS and, you know, does what he was doing at Dortmund before, before the, the ironically, the other Swiss kid arrived. Um, so you look at, you look at all that stuff and, the way he's kind of performed it. Sorry about that. Go um, kept you competitive, and even in close games, has been uh, incredibly important, vital. Keeping again, very simple idea, but keeping the ball out of the net, and obviously, it's a well-built team from from um, from all of it. Um, although personally, I think the MVP of the team is the the manager, the general manager that he brought in, but um, sporting director, whatever. Um, but yeah, he's been ter- terrific, and. Uh, they're not gonna. They're not gonna give MVP to the goalkeeper. I hate to break it to you, but oh, I know. Uh, I think he's he's been again from what I've seen from him uh, at uh, with St. Louis. I think he's been great. I think he's been exactly what he needed, um, and I think he's, he can give you another one or maybe two more years, just like that one. Um, but yeah, 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 and you know, in in playoffs. Uh, I think having a goal, good goalkeeper is really important. Um, and, again, they're not going to be favored to go win it, but with a goalkeeper like that, he'll give you a best shot of doing so in games uh, that of a higher uh, magnitude. Sure. All right, before we end up, who's your donkey of the week? 
Um, Union Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, their wins this season have come against FC Mainz. Uh, the FCV Mainz. We're going to get relegated. I'm, I have faith that they're not going to get relegated because I just can't allow that to happen in my mind. But but they're probably not going to get relegated, but they're probably not going to finish in the bottom half of the table. They're bottom right now. Their other win came against Darmstrat. And Darmstrat, oh, this weekend, beat uh, Werder Bremen. They, um, uh, obviously, that win takes them out of the, the bottom three, but they're going to. They're going to finish close to the bottom. So they won those two games. They won a game in the cup against a third division side. Then games started to become difficult, right? Wolfsburg, yeah. uh, who was uh, it? Was they played Wolfsburg? They got beat by Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg. That was a great performance for Wolfsburg. Absolutely outclassed them. Uh, smacked by Leipzig. Um, they, they, then they lost at the end to. Um, Real Madrid. Um, I believe they played another big team in between. But the point is, ever since they started playing competitively, Hoffenheim they got beaten by Hoffenheim. Again, they're not they're they're a good team this season. Um, you look at the number of teams that they played; all of them are are big games. So you can kind of say you can give them benefit of the doubt. Um, but then you lose to Bietigheim, who uh, they were uh, they're Bournemouth. Of the of the Bundesliga, they went through this whole thing where they were in the Division Four like six years ago. They recently just got promoted, and again, it was a great free kick. But the most most troubling thing about all of this is they went on a run of about a month without a shot on target. Think about that for a second. Now there's Juden. The 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 the, the whole summer was building an attack for them. Becker's still there. Pfock uh, went to uh, Gladbach on loan. They brought in um, uh, Volland. They brought in Aronson, who's not a striker, but still is an attacking midfielder. They brought in all these, all this material to be a good attack. And they brought in uh, David Fofana on loan from Chelsea. And that, that's supposed to be the, their area of strength. And for, for a month, they didn't have a shot on target in any of the games. They get beaten by at the end by Real Madrid. They they put together a decent performance against Braga, uh, but then lose in the end. They don't have the mental stomach and fortitude to be able to do what they did last year. Last year was grit and determination. That's how they, that's how they made the changes, and a bit of luck. This year they they have to actually play like a team that finished fourth. They've not done that, and I I do know that their rivals are down there in Bundesliga too. In like eleven, <laughs> but the thing is, with all this, <laughs> they're going to hear about it in the city about their struggles because again, Berlin's a big city. It's six. It's probably sixty-five to seventy percent blue, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, you would Union Berlin would have to win something extraordinary for that to change. That is it. That is a Hertha Berlin city. So. The pressure of, of the media in Berlin, the pressure of what they're doing in the Bundesliga, they're like 11, and the pressure of all the noise from Hertha Berlin, you know, 
I, yeah, and I, I I know that Hertha Berlin hasn't been in Europe in a long time in the second division, but but they're going to feel the heat. So for them to lose again, they've lost six in a row, I think. Again, as much as I, the story was nice last season, I think they just hit reality. And uh, again, six straight losses just can't be ignored. And as much as I, I would like them to do better, they've just been pitiful. Yep. All right, mate. Well, that was another great episode. Well, thanks for uh, letting me join as always, and we'll talk to you again next week. Anytime. See ya.